cheating thing was tough. It was, um, you know, I really didn't, wasn't a fan of the punishment. I thought that was a little weak for, you know, a player-driven scheme that no players, you know, involved got any punishments. You know, you, you cheated and you, you didn't earn it. You know, that's that's how I feel is it wasn't earned. You know, it wasn't earned the the way of, you know, playing the game right and fighting till the end and knowing that, you know, I'm comp- we're competing, we're competitors. And the biggest thing about competition is laying it all out in the line and, you know, whoever's the better player, better person, you know, comes out on top, you know, and, you know, you just lay it out there and, you know, to know that another team had an advantage that, you know, nothing you can really guard against, that, I just don't feel like that's that's earned or, you know, yeah, that's it's not earned. Philadelphia and beyond. This is the Brotherly Love Sports Podcast coming to you from our phone. We're all in remote locations tonight. This is Mike. I've got Ian with me and a special guest tonight. We've got Vince Quinn. He's a host at CBS Sports Radio and for you local Philadelphians, 94 WIP. Vince, happy to have you, man. Yeah, guys, uh, happy to be here. You know, it's uh, it's always great to be on a podcast and, and talk Philly sports. So, yeah, looking forward to it. We um, got a number of topics we want to get into uh, into tonight with you, Vince. Um, not just Philly sports. So, Ian is more of a football guru and basketball guru himself. I kind of like to touch on all sports. Baseball, number one. Um, you know, the Phillies, Ian and I are super interested and how we feel they're going to fare this year compared to last year. But before we dive into Phillies, when people bring up baseball right now, there's an elephant in the room. That is the Houston Astros. Let's talk a little bit about the Astros. Just generally, what are your thoughts overall on the whole situation with the cheating scandal? Well, I mean, my God, Rob Manfred is showing that he's got no idea what he's doing, right? I mean, this guy is totally out of his depth. He he called the World Series trophy a piece of metal and had to apologize for it today. So to see how how bad Rob Manfred's handled everything, I mean, you got to look at it and just be like, uh, no wonder baseball is such a mess. No wonder the league is going in a bad direction. Uh, this guy can't handle the biggest scandal that's going to define his career, and baseball is a mess because of it. I mean, it, it gets worse by the day with all this. So it's just, I mean, honestly, guys, it's just, it's amazing to see how poorly managed all of this is. Cause for most leagues with big scandals like this, they either find a way to, to get it under the rug or they just take that brunt in like a couple of days and then it's over. We're on to the next news story. But this thing, I mean, we're talking about baseball dominating national mm-hmm. headlines. And it's been a couple of months now, and that is not going to slow down anytime soon. I mean, it's really amazing to see it. Yeah, it, it is crazy. And the way I've been looking at it, like, every player is pretty much unanimously coming out against that commissioner, right? And I haven't seen something like that happen in professional sports in, I don't know if I ever have in my career as a sports fan, right? And the way I'm analyzing it is, like, on one hand, Maybe it's good for baseball just because, um, you know, it's in the news. And if the fans see that all of the players can all be on the same cause, you know, the commissioner's kind of an idiot, and we still love the game, we all, except for, you know, this one organization, this one group of guys, we all have integrity. And then the other side of it's like, 
if I'm a baseball fan and the commissioner is this much of a jackass, then, like, I'm just going to pick a different sport, right? Like, do you think the players coming out unanimously against him is good or bad, generally? Well, yeah, I think it's great um, because it's a, it does a couple of things. One, for the casual fan just in general to follow the Astros all throughout the year, that is a good thing because uh, it, as bad as it looks, one, everybody likes a villain. You unite around, like, screw that guy, and the Astros are that guy. So that's always good. The other thing is, like, you think of games, for example, uh, the Astros are going to have to go to New York at the end of the season. So for September to think about what that kind of dynamic is going to be, the kind of attention that's going to get, how exciting those games are going to be. Like, that's must-watch television. Do you think about, uh, did you guys see the beanball number for the Astros? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's oh, actually I'm, a Vegas over-under for that. Like, that's great. So I saw yeah. 83 and a half, and I am taking the over on that, no question. Yeah. <laughs> so you see that kind of stuff, and, like, People are going to be watching and paying attention to baseball. So on a basic level of just paying attention to the Astros, you're totally right. That is good for the game. And then the other thing is, too, as all these players are around the league coming out and saying stuff about it, locally now, people can say, oh, okay, so for us, it's like, all right, here's how the Phillies, certain guys on the Phillies, like Dave Robertson, he talked about it. I think Bryce Harper talked about it yesterday. So having guys like that talk about it, it transitions you into the local teams, too. And that that is good. Like baseball... As much as it is a, a total mess right now, and Manfred might be out of his depth and maybe soon out of a job, I mean, it's, it's getting really bad. Um, it, people are going to be paying more attention. And so long-term, the game, it, at least it has an opportunity to capitalize on this, and whether or not they can do it is, uh, is something we'll see. But it's a, good, it's a good position to be in right now, I think. Yeah, yeah, I like that, that take on it. If you're a player that's not on the Astros, it's pretty easy to come out and be like, obviously, this is totally ridiculous. Like, everyone knows sort of how everyone feels. Um, there's not a ton of originality behind what anyone has really said, I don't think. If you're an Astros player, or I guess let me ask you this, do you think any Astros deserve any benefit of the doubt whatsoever? <laughs> no, there's no way. Uh, like, did you guys see Carlos Correa the other day and, and all the stuff that he was saying? And now I, I know Jose Altuve, apparently, after they talked about the tattoo, he walked through the locker room shirtless to be like, listen, everybody, I've got a tattoo and calm down. But he was like, Correa was saying, oh, we didn't do anything in 2018. And so everybody who's criticizing for that is a liar. And then Ken Rosenthal, of all people, is like, uh, hey, Carlos, uh, the commissioner's report, it actually said you guys were cheating in 2018, so you're basically lying to me right now. And, and so, like, it, you look at that kind of stuff, and, you, yeah, there's no reason to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. Nobody will. And there's nobody on that. The problem is there's nobody in the entire organization, like ownership. Um, you look at all the players. You know, Dusty Baker had nothing to do with it, so I don't know what he's worth. Their GM had nothing to do with it at this point. It's a different guy. I don't know what he's worth. There's nobody you can believe in the organization that has any level of credibility. So it's, it's just uh, there's there's no way this turns around anytime soon. You're just going to have to ride this out for probably a couple of years, to be honest with you. It's really ugly. So LeBron yeah. James just tweeted out that he is not for the punishment the Astros got. There needs to be more done to the Astros, maybe – players penalized and in the NCAA you seem you see final fours get taken away and you see teams get banned from the playoffs for years at a time do you think there could be any addition to the penalty to the Astros you know um 
initially, I didn't think there would be, but sometimes things get so out of hand that people do reevaluate it. Like, if, if you guys remember the Ray Rice stuff and how all that went down, because initially, the suspension was like nothing. I mean, they, they ruled Ray Rice, I, I think it was maybe two games, and then, and, which was based on how the NFL had been doing stuff at the time, that, that kind of is what the punishment would be. And, and people were like, whoa, we, this is what we've been allowing people to do with, with domestic violence? Like, we need a better punishment for this. And Roger Goodell ultimately was like, oh, crap, people are really mad about this. I better go back and give him a stronger punishment. And that's what he did. And, uh, and so that might be what happens here. I mean, Rob Manfred might have to reconsider all this, and especially after the piece of metal stuff. Like, for, for him to devalue the trophy like that, maybe he tries to make up for it by being like, you know what, nobody thinks they should have the trophy. It's okay if I do it. I'm going to get some points for doing it, even if it's late. And, yeah, I, we really might see the trophy taken away soon. That might be where this thing goes. So did Ray Rice get more because the video came out? Is that what happened back then? I forget. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think it was a couple of things. Yeah, I, the video was definitely part of it because what happened at the time is a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, there were no formal rules about it, and there had never been video about it. And for guys that had done it in the NFL, it was pretty much if you look at the history prior to Ray Rice, it's a lot of stuff that was commensurate with the status of the player. And, and the degree of what the assault was. So if you were a back-end roster guy and you had something like that, you were just cut on the spot. Other guys, they'd get a game or two, and, and that was pretty much how it went. And uh, once that video came out, that really did change everything, and, and for the better. I mean, you're, you're talking about a pretty serious uh, action there. So I, I have no problem with the suspension being greater, but, yeah, that, that kind of public outcry and scrutiny brought all the attention to it. Same way all this Astro stuff. I mean, people, the amount, how many times have you guys seen the video of Jose Altuve saying, hey, don't take my jersey off, you know? Like, that that kind of thing has been really powerful and shown all over the place, and people are incredibly suspicious, and, and that's why maybe we see an overcorrection here, and, and Manfred does something different. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think whatever happens... Um, it's going to make for an amazing 30 for 30 one day. <laughs> I think that's just like, that <laughs> so this is going to, there's some cool documentaries that'll come from this. Um, but while we're talking about the punishments and, you know, suspensions or whatever they're going to do, let's look at suspensions on pitchers this year. Do you think a pitcher who throws at an Astros player should be suspended the way they might be if it, you know, was just a typical, you throw a couple pitches at a certain batter, um, the way it's happened in the past. I mean, do you think that pitchers are now with Astros players? Should they be held to a different standard? Should they be allowed to throw baseballs at them? Well, yeah, it's a great question, right? Um, and, and that's one of the things that for the league, it's going to look bad because inevitably somebody, I think, is going to get suspended. you got to figure this because baseball is just such a spiteful sport, right? Like those guys hold grudges. They'll, they'll hit somebody for a home run they hit two years ago because they just haven't seen them since. So um, you look at it, you no know guys are going to be throwing baseballs like crazy. Now, should they get suspended? Um, for baseball, I get why they're going to do it, and they probably will because they want to restore order. For me, I wouldn't do it, you know, and I don't think they really should, but I'm a fan. So uh, if you're Rob Manfred, yeah, you got to try to find ways to calm all of this down. If those kinds of punishments are what you need to do, then, I mean, that's what he's going to have to do. So rightly or wrongly, uh, yeah, these guys are probably going to miss a, a couple of games, and, and that's just what they got to do. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. Our uh, our most recent episode before we talked to you, Vince, we talked to Joey Crawford, an NBA referee. And in talking to him, I mean, you just can tell that people who are officials of the sport are so passionate and they're just such purists about the sport that they're officiating. And I feel like umpires are no different than, you know, an NBA referee where <laughs> if someone gets hit, like, I don't think they're going to necessarily throw pitchers out. I wouldn't be surprised if umpires had a shorter fuse with Astros players specifically, right? Like, I know they're supposed to, you know, keep biases aside, but if you're that passionate about the sport and after what took place, I think it would be really hard to ump an Astros game. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, that's a great point. How how are the umps going to handle all of this, you know? uh and and for them, there's going to be an ex. You know what? They could get away with some degree of letting stuff go because yeah, these guys are lifers. They do understand it. They are in the culture. They have connections to. Because you see this, uh, you know, talking about the NBA, you see these kinds of videos all the time where like a referee and a player are going back and forth real quick. They'll have like a five second exchange during the game, but they know each other and they have a relationship with doing all these games together. And baseball, you got to figure that's a little bit stronger. You're in the same town for a couple of days and all that, so you build an even stronger tie. Um, yeah, I, some of these ups are definitely going to be okay with being balls. They're definitely going to try to let it go as far as they can. It's just a question of does Manfred force them by issuing some sort of letter? You know what I mean? If he's just leaving it up to umpires and taking the case by case, then yeah, umpires are going to let this ride a little bit, and there's definitely going to be bean balls, but. Uh, how Manfred handles that, I mean, his track record is not good. So but maybe the umps run wild a bit here. That's that's a great point. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like, I'm a very casual baseball fan, and this time of year, spring training comes around. Unless, for whatever reason, I happen to be in Clearwater, Florida, I'm not really paying attention to spring training. But now I am. I mean, every day there's something new on Instagram. Aaron Judge just came out. He had some interesting thing to say about some of the um, the Astros players. So it is interesting. But shifting gears now, um, Vince, to the Phillies. First off, season prediction compared to last year, better or worse and by how much? So I think they've got to be a little bit better, just a little bit, because part of it is they had so many injuries last year. And for them, I mean, the bullpen, the way that thing was just torn to shreds was uh, was brutal. So, you look at that, if they're a little bit healthier, you look at Gabe Kapler and the fact that he has no, I mean, I'm not a Gabe Kapler hater, you know what I mean? For like a year and a half, I, I wanted to give the guy a shot. I think he had some good qualities to him, but the guy just had no sense of crisis management. I mean, that thing was going down again, and it felt a lot like 2018 did, and he was just like, yeah, this is fine, brother, there's nothing wrong here. Uh, and, and they just kept losing games over and over and over again. He wouldn't fire coaches and all that stuff until ownership stepped in. So I think Girardi and that stability is real. I, I don't want to overhype the value of a manager in a baseball game too much, but uh, he's clearly an upgrade over what they had in Kapler. And so that and a little bit of health, as much as the talent isn't all that much better, um, it, it's going to be a better team. So we should get something in the, the mid-80s and, you know, be in that fringe of uh, wildcard contention. Mid-80s, are you are you able to commit to over 85 and a half, which is what Vegas has, I believe, for the over-under of total wins for the Phils? Hmm. You know, that 
I'm going to say under by a half game. I'm going to I'm going to put them squarely at 85 because the thing that worries me is they they've talked a little bit about doing the trade of the deadline that puts them over the luxury tax. I just don't see the point. Unless the team's really overperforming and the rest of the division is struggling and it just like let's say the Braves are riddled with injuries or the Mets are a little bit disappointing, uh which I mean would not be surprising, right? It's Mets. <laughs> but when you look at it all, uh it, the problem is that if they never wanted to go over the tax to start the season, what's it going to take for them to go over in the middle of the season, and is it worth it? Because if they're this sensitive, where they got Bryce Harper in his prime, and they don't want to throw in money to make the team better, to give them the best shot possible right now for the whole season, then I just I think that wall is really high for them to climb over. And so I don't think they're going to make that kind of deadline move. And while they have the potential, if they wanted to make that kind of move, to go over 85 they won't pull the trigger, and, uh, and and it's going to be a bit of a lost year. So that's that's pretty much how I see it shaking out. Yeah, I can see that happening. I mean, I think um, probably in a long time, this is the least amount of press Bryce Harper has gotten. Part of it is probably because of the Astros taking up a lot of the press this time. Um, but it seems like there's not a huge Bryce Harper buzz, which could be good for him, right? After all of the buzz last year going into after the big contract, it was like, there's a spotlight on him at all times. Um, you know, we'll see after the first pitch is thrown, you know, where the you know, spotlights aim. But um, I think that it has been quiet around him. I feel like he could come out and have an awesome year, which I'm excited for that just generally, just because he's a loud baseball player. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I like the Vegas. Vegas gets it right every freaking time. Like, I feel like 85 is exactly like what it's going to be, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, Vegas, um, they, they do know what they're doing. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. 85 is probably the number. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll see what happens. But now, really shifting gears. I don't – I mean, I will call it a pro sport. Vince, the XFL. What are your <laughs> thoughts? Are we swiping left or swiping right, swiping right two weeks into the XFL? Oh, we're, uh, I've been on Tinder in a little while, but, uh, I want to say right <laughs> is the, is the correct answer, right? You swipe right if you like them. So, uh, yeah, I'm swiping right and I'm taking the XFL. Now they gotta, they gotta learn some things because what they, they're trying to be a regular football league, you know, putting all this money into these different quarterbacks. That's where all their money is. Guys like Landry Jones, Cardale Jones, and they're trying to build legitimacy that way. But if those are the kind of quarterbacks you're working with, I, uh, I think it's kind of a waste of time. I almost wish that they ran like, crazier offenses, you know, based on the talent they have. Just run, like, 1950s football where, like, eight different guys pass and see what happens. But uh, generally, I, I think the league is fun, and I, I think the way they broadcast it is good, and the fact that they have financial stability and what this can become, because right now it's all these guys that really you haven't heard of or after two or three seasons and, and very, very little success, they washed out of the league. So, the, the talent isn't that exciting, but in a couple of years, then I, I think of the MLS a little bit. One of the things that was great about the MLS is after a couple of seasons, eventually they started getting all these older guys from Europe that were looking to play a little bit longer and looking for other shots, and they would come to the MLS to say, like, hey, I, I still got a little something left, or to go on some sort of, like, retirement pleasure cruise against really bad players. So that was pretty great. If you can get the XFL to last for a couple more years where those older guys that want more shots stick around and they try to play in XFL, I think that really adds life to it too. So, uh, you know, the, the guy that's always in my head is Ryan Fitzpatrick, just to give you like 40 year old Ryan Fitzpatrick just doesn't want to hang it up. And so he keeps playing and he's, 
he's in the XFL. Like if they get to that stage, which they could in a, in a year or two, I, I think that's that's really good for the league. So ultimately, I like what they got going on. I, I think the, the the setup of it is pretty smart, and I'm I'm buying in, guys. I'm in. I love it. I don't know if it's magic is a. A regular listener of the Bro Love Cats, but if he is, if there's one thing I could ask him as a huge fan is to please come to the XFL. Watching him on social media crush Bud Light Seltzers after an XFL victory would be like one of the coolest things in sports. <laughs> so there's been rumors that uh, Philly submitted to get into the XFL. Is there any name that comes to mind for our Philadelphia XFL team? Ooh, uh, you know what? This one, this one, I think is the most fitting for the XFL, and it would cause uh, a fitting controversy. You just call them the Mummers. I mean, there's such a there's such a chaotic group anyway, right? Like, uh, if if we lined up a team of Mummers, I I think that would be fun as hell to watch. And so, give me crazy uniforms and a ridiculous mascot. And yeah, if we're just rotating drunken Mummers in the stands, that works for me. We just have guys tag in and tag out each week. But uh, yeah, make them the Mummers. <laughs> Let's see what happens. That'd be a cool name. I love that. Yeah, I like it too. And there's also been rumors that they may play at Franklin Field, the Link, or Citizens Bank. I'm of the opinion that Franklin Field may be the coolest of those venues for the XFL. The right size too. What are your thoughts on venue? Yeah, Franklin Field would be great. I mean, you think about the history of football in the city and and how the Eagles used to play there all those years ago. And and to bring that back and do it in that venue where – yeah, the size is right. Uh, I, I think that'd be a really cool, great thing. It would sort of bring, uh, that, that, again, that historic element in Philly with the sports history. Like, it just, it fits all the right notes to me. I'm all in on that idea. I think it's awesome. All right, and while we're on Philadelphia football, we have to bring up the Eagles. We released Nigel Bradham today. We did not take his option. Save about $4.5 with that. What are some bold predictions you have for the Eagles offseason uh, coming up here? Uh, well, one of them is going to be that they're going to sign a top-of-the-line guy. I don't know what position that's going to be. Uh, there's been theories floated of they swoop in and they steal Amari Cooper. I would be in for that. Uh, Darius Slay getting traded to the Eagles. I could see that happening. But th- there's going to be somebody major that they drop a big-time contract on because you think about it like, uh, I was going through the numbers last year because after Bradham got cut, I was like, "All right, let's let's run through the salary cap here a little bit." This year, they got like 35 mil right now in space because they took a little bit of a hit cutting Bradham as well. But um, what you had last year, going into free agency, at just about this time last year, they were over the salary cap, like they were projected to be over. Right now, they've got 36 million dollars. So. I know if they cut Alshon, that's going to cost them a ton of money, like a ton of money. But you think of Roseman and what he's able to do, the way he shifts numbers around so continuously well, and uh, they're going to be fine. So they've got a lot of opportunity to make a big-time splash here. I mean, $35 million for Howie Roseman is like $100 million for some really bad GMs. So they got opportunities to get basically anybody and everybody that they want. I'm, I'm really excited for this offseason. I think we're going to see a lot of big moves here. Yeah, I'm hoping we can keep Malcolm Jenkins happy. I think he deserves it, and I'm hoping we can keep Rodney McLeod. But I would definitely be in for bringing in a Darius Slay or someone at cornerback and maybe trading away Darby. Do you foresee the Eagles making any big offensive moves, maybe in the draft? Or what are your thoughts? Who are they going after in the first round of the draft? 
Well, yeah, receiver's been mocked to them. Certainly they have interest in receiver, and they know the value of the position, right? Because they did go after Alshon, and they did end up restructuring him and giving, a good, giving him a good bit of money on that extension. You look at the Sean and the money they threw at him. They did draft Arthago Whiteside last year in the second round, as much as he hasn't panned out. They did go after him, and they valued him as a, as a pretty high pick. So you look at all that stuff, and you got to figure they're looking at a wide receiver there. That's ideally what they want. They do have a lot of holes to fill, though, because you look at it like the defensive line, you know, Derek Barnett's going to be on, you're talking about his fifth-year option and what to do with that. You're looking at Brandon Graham and uh, his age as much as he's been a good player. Vinny Curry's a free agent, so they got some work to do there. Uh, that's that's all pretty complicated. Now that Bradham's cut, I don't think they draft a linebacker in the first round, but I guess if there's a perfect fit, maybe they do that. So uh, offensively, though, the nice thing is the offensive line is in pretty good shape. You don't have to worry about that too much. You figure they're not going to have to draft a running back because you got Sanders. The tight ends are pretty locked up. So it's all just about uh, do they get that big-time wide receiver in the free agency? If they do get him in free agency, obviously they'll go defense on the draft. But otherwise, yeah, there's just so many receivers. And for Wentz being the age he is, it, it just feels like receiver's the right way to go. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you. There's a couple good ones from Bama, and there's uh, Higgins from Clemson. So I'd be quite okay with the Eagles taking a wide receiver in the first round. But for some reason, I could see him taking alignment. I feel like that's something the Eagles would do. So shifting over to the Sixers, though, um, Mm -hmm. obviously we've had an up and down start to the year. But, you know, the past couple years we've been better after the All-Star break. Do you foresee that occurring again for the Sixers? Yeah, I I just think it has to be because part of it is, and especially these last couple of years, there's just been so much turnover, right? I mean, all these different guys, especially from last season. I mean, Jimmy Butler and then Tobias Harris and figuring that out. This year, you get a whole new starting five, basically, and with that, you're getting all these different injuries. Bede's missing games. Richardson's missing a bunch of games. And Richardson's been, I mean, such a such a stable and great force for them. So when he's out of the lineup, I think it really hurts. But um, you look at them now. And, yeah, I think getting Horford out of the lineup is going to be really good for them. The strength of schedule is a little bit easier. I think, get, honestly, the Clippers win. Just getting that win the way they did at home and doing it right before the All-Star break, just having a week to actually relax and kind of feel good about themselves instead of as miserable as everything's been around that team, that's huge. So uh, this second half of the season is this or final third, if you will, of the season. It just... It just has to be better. And if it's not, if there was hell to pay before, I mean, it's going to be terrible if they don't turn it around. But again, all the conditions point to the the fact that they should be better. So I'm feeling pretty good about this. So opening up the year, the 76ers uh, total win over under was at 54 and a half. It was now updated by Odd Shark to 55 and a half. Would you take the over or under for the Sixers this year? Yeah, I guess at this point, I, I'll go over this. I don't know, because the weird thing is they are so good at home, and that's who they're supposed to be. Like, if you're if you're putting those two different realities of the Sixers, the home team and the away team, and saying, okay, who are they really? They're definitely more of the home team. So if you've got that team, and they are healthy, and they do figure out that fifth starter spot, even if it's a little bit of a rotation, like Korkmaz started that last game against the Clippers, but then they pulled them, and it was Robinson – even with that little uh, fussing that they're going to have to do, it's just 
it just has to be better, right? It just has to be better. So yeah, I'm I'm in on the over. Uh, I'm I'm feeling uh, you know playoffs are a different thing. That's a whole different conversation. But for the regular season, fifty five and a half. Put me in fifty six. I'm in. Cool. Does uh, Brett Brown get ousted if the Sixers do not make the finals this year? Yeah, I think he just has to. And and for him, he's feeling it right. Like if you guys noticed, uh, you you look at the pressure that he's been under this year, and when he's calling out Ben Simmons and the, the different lineup changes that he's made over the course of the season, it's just something about his demeanor is clearly different, and he's got to be feeling that pressure. And for him to be in the organization as long as he has and, and be through all these different managers, you know, uh, going from Hickey to Colangelo to Brand and losing the power to Brand, ultimately now he goes from basically hiring the guy and being on the same level to being underneath Elton Brand. So to have all these changes around him and his status go down in the organization and the team underperform with all these expectations, it just feels like, and, and with all the fussing about Simmons and Embiid and their fit and their growth and all this stuff, um, it just, yeah, I, I think it has to be. And I like Brett Brown as a coach, but this situation just might be too much for him. I don't know if that's his fault. I don't know how many coaches are good enough for this situation, but they're going to have to try something different soon because that, that Horford contract and just the lifespan of all these guys, you think about Embiid and his health, being a big guy with a back injury previously, foot injury previously. Uh, yeah, if, if they don't make it to the finals this year, Brett, he, he's, he's got to be out, and I, I think that's good for everybody. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you, Vince. And I think, I mean, he's feeling that pressure because I think he knows that. And he knows that if he goes into the playoffs as, I mean, right now they're a five seed, right? If he goes in as a four or five seed and they don't have home court throughout the entire playoffs up until, I guess, the Eastern Conference Finals and the Finals, I mean, that pressure is going to be applied even heavier. And I mean, the Sixers have proven in the past with this personnel, when you look at some of their go-to guys, that under pressure, they're not necessarily, you know, the, the Michael Jordans or the Kobe Bryants of the world, right? I mean, they need to win soundly. I don't trust this team to win in the last minute of a game like I you know, do some other teams in the NBA. So I think Brett sees that, and, I mean, there's pressure on him. I mean, they need to figure their stuff out. I think they'll get to 55 wins, but um, – I mean, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. I think home court's going to be a huge factor just in the mentality of how they're coached throughout the playoffs as well. Yeah, it's it's weird how much the home thing matters because, I mean, yeah, typically teams do better at home. But when the, the splits are just this different, there's clearly something uh, I, I, with their confidence level, or the, well, very clearly with the effort level because, my God, like that loss on the road to Atlanta was one of the worst things I've ever seen. So, uh, yeah, the home just gives them magical powers in, in some strange way, and they, they need that in the worst way, man. They really do. Yeah, well, Vince, I know you got a lot going on, man, between WIP and um, going national a little bit with CBS now. So we're going to let you go, but before we do that, we are going to ask you a Philadelphia-oriented question that we ask to a lot of our guests on the show here. And there's a pretty simple question, Vince. Favorite cheesesteak in the city of brotherly love? What's your number one? Ooh, okay, this is, uh, you know, because I had many nights, I was living in South Philly, I had uh, many an evening where, you know, I didn't enjoy myself at the bar and have a couple of whiskeys, me and Gene Segura hanging out having whiskey, and uh, and I would go to Phillips Steaks, that's my spot, man, I love that place, uh, very affordable, delicious, quick, open 24 hours a day, absolutely worth it, it's on Passyunk, it's basically where Passyunk meets Oregon, great spot. 
Love it. I don't know if we've had anyone. You said Philip Stakes. I don't know if we've ever had someone say Phillips. Oh, well, there you go. See, I, I just broaden the horizons, guys. That's what I'm doing here. You gotta, you gotta try it. If you haven't had it, you gotta go, man. It, it, it's a really, cause you know, like, I'm not one of those people where there's only one place that really is the best. There's like tiers of it, you know, there's like the elite tier, the really good tier, and like your average pizza joint kind of tier. And they're just yeah. one of those elite tier, top of the line spots. They don't get talked about a lot. I'm happy to rep Phillips. That's a great spot. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Well, then, thanks again to all of our listeners. Again, this is Vince Quinn hanging out with us. For Ian and for Mike, that's all we got for you tonight, boys. Take care. Ghetto related, but this shit the whole world awaited. Got the Rito head cast and yeah, get stagnated. Black thought the Dundee most more veteran. Crown ruler, soul controller of this lyrical land. Split wizard kid, who is it? Fifth dinosaur ghetto. Beat detonator, apex my level next. My complex patterns of speech is like sex. I master the art of making you snap the next. And chase Manhattan, endorse my mic checks. Upset, but wet threat, just collecting my debt. Yo, I'm overpaying dudes, blood, tears, and sweat. When you're fucking with the roots, that's as good as it get. Ultra magnet, we pull you in the drag net, then brainwash your click and extort your assets. Then Brody, all your homies on some old school shit. Rules to represent. Life's a gamble. Step up and place your bets. I drift through space, then make my escape on through the net. With CDs, cassettes, no CODs or checks. Straight from the old school, and your raws and full effect. I'm like Lex Luthor with rifles filled with kryptonite. When you grip the mic, it's like, come on, kids, let's say goodnight. You don't like me, but don't even know why you should hate me. You scared to face these, so I still remain safe. Confide in, North Field where I'm residing Never let an outside nigga slide in This ain't home plate, I dunk on you what's inside the paint Feel like this, you can't take me out, you ain't Nothing new, nothing new, y'all not saying nothing new Nothing new, nothing new, y'all not saying nothing new Nothing new, nothing new, tell me what you got done What you got done, Sipping this lambic grandpa, spitting it for like whoever demand the answer. What's the cure for the sip hop cancer? Equivalent to this avalanche of black snow. Rap flow to get my people thinking more. We at the brink of war. What does it all mean? What's it all for? When I to tell yourself, then you through the first door. My people hungry and thirst for more. Next music explore. It's heavenly to your ebony door to next door. So what you think the roots get the world respect for? The spin it off and it can pop this raw core. Severe world premiere, superior sophomore. No doubt, wherever you dwell, that's where the bomb fell Exploding from the Imperial sign Bell Pharrell From the venue to the avenue We truly only got respect for a few Y'all ain't saying nothing new, nothing new Y'all not saying nothing new Represent the legendary fifth dynasty crew Rules through, coming through, tell me what you do Yeah, we looking for me, now I'm looking for you Nothing new, nothing new Y'all not saying nothing new Represent the legendary King of my city, running this shit just like a tyrant. Y'all clowns know what I meant. That's if we at war, then my henchmen will be at your back door. Uh, waiting, why the debating? Tripping over Legos, running up the steps and looking for a weapon. But you come out waving a white flag. The squad just backslap the ass like Shaq, then owes the tag. Either take me out or be taken. You think I'm going down sight? The jury just still deliberating. I got half of the kids tied up in a basement. No, I'm just playing, yo, but that's how I'm playing, yo. Dick, what I'm saying, yo. D-I-C-E, shove a mic in your mouth like Ted D-B-I-C When you come sloppy, fuck is y'all trying to do? Y'all into some whack shit and ain't saying nothing